Yes, sir. You already know what time it is. Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 54. This my shit right here. The weather's getting warm. It's about to be outside season. Get ready. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 54 of the Bronx Bias Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. DeBron James. And we are back like Jordan wearing the faux five. I want to start by saying thank you to everyone who tunes in who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaging with me on social media. I truly, truly, truly appreciate all the love and all of the support I receive from y'all. Thank you to all the essential workers out there. And thank you to all the people out here who are continuously using their voices to affect change in a positive way. We always, 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 always have to start the shows with the thank yous. The thank yous are very, very, very important. And man, we're going to have a great show today. Great, great show. I'm excited for you guys to hear what I got coming up for you guys today. And man, this weather, I'm trying to hold my horses. I'm not, I'm trying to try not to be hype about it, but it's kind of hard. Yesterday, I'm recording on Saturday. March 27th, yesterday, Friday the 26th, I go outside, the weather is like 81 degrees, no cap, shout out to my dog Kobe, Kobe dropped that 81 for us yesterday, man, like, and I'm just like, yo, like, I see people outside, they look, they got the looks on their faces, like, they ready to get active, when the weather change, it just, whew, and especially coming off this quarantine year, Everybody wearing less and going out more. I can tell you that right now. Every single person, even people who would normally not do it, they're going to be doing it this year. I could tell just from that yesterday of 81 degrees outside. It's going to be crazy this summer. It's going to be crazy, like crazy, crazy. So look out, okay? It's coming. It's coming. So prepare yourself. City Island, I know, is on fire right now. (laughs) I know City Island's on fire right now, okay? 
but we're gonna have a great great show today i'm really excited for you guys to hear it and i'm in an amazing mood a tremendous mood i'm so excited for today and i'm ready to pod so let's get it i am in a very 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 good mood today's intro was an amazing 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 song from an amazing 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 artist it is called bubbling by anderson pack shout out to anderson pack man one of the dopest dudes like making music right now like super super dope he could get in so many pockets he can rap he can sing he can play instruments he can produce like he's super 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 dope shout out to anderson pack and um i him and bruno are creating a, a album together him and bruno mars let me be specific and that shit is gonna go crazy bro it's gonna go crazy they uh, they formed a group named uh silk sonic i think it's called that's the name of bruno and anderson's joint group and joint project but dog like bruno and anderson are gonna go crazy like they want they only have one single to come off of it it's called um what's it called leave uh what's it called leave the door open i think it's called and it's fire like i can't wait to hear it i cannot wait to hear it so anderson always makes good up-tempo music like and you know i like to start every show of mine with just fast music or up-tempo music high energy music just to set the tone for the show and anderson is the man and i know his album with with bruno is gonna go crazy so shout out to my guy anderson pack shout out to anderson pack my nigga <laughs> now it's time for my favorite 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 segment of the podcast it is called bronx facts for those of you guys who do not know, or maybe it's your first time listening to the show, Bronx Facts is a segment I like to do at the beginning of each show, just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York, that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to try to show how many great things, how many great ideas, and how many great people and organizations come from the Bronx, New York. So, without any further ado, your Bronx Fact for today is... Animal Hospital of Morris Park, located at 1135A Morris Park Avenue, is a premier facility for animals that provides emergency vet care, hospitalizations, and surgeries for most household and stray animals. For more than 20 years, Animal Hospital of Morris Park has been saving the lives and curing sick and helpless pets of all kinds. Since the beginning, Animal Hospital of Morris Park has been considered the place where pet owners go when in need of real help, with their motto being results above anything else. For more information on the center and to see how you can visit, you can go to the website bronxanimalhospital.com or give them a call at 718-822-3309. And that is your Bronx Fact for episode number 54. Yes! Yes! Damn, son, where'd you find this? All right, so we're getting right to it today. We have a very, 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 very special guest. A very, very special guest. She is a mental health advocate and the outreach coordinator on behalf of NAMI NYC which stands for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, 
of New York City. Very excited to have you on. We have Clara Keeley. How are you, Clara? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm very excited to have you on it because the the organization that you're affiliated with and that you do work for is something that I find to be very impactful and very needed and very useful, especially in this time. And it's like, I knew when I saw you speak I, to, for background, Clara appeared on a friend of mine's live stream, Instagram live. And I was there at his house while she was speaking. And as I was listening, I thought to myself, man, it would be great to just have her on the show so she can shed light upon, shed light upon the organization she's a part of and the cause in general. And I think that is just something that is like super important. And the more information that's out there, you know, the better off that we all will be as a whole. So it was like, as, as soon as I asked, I just like, I got to ask, even if she says no, I have to ask just to see if there's a chance. So I'm very excited to have you on. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yes. Yes. So Clara, can you tell the people out there uh, where are some of the places that NAMI can be reached um, if they want to get in contact with you, if they want to see what the cause is all about and to see maybe how to contribute to it, if, if possible? Absolutely. So uh, the first place to look is always on our website, which is NAMINYC.org. You can also, if you want to see our calendar of events, we have free events happening practically every day, whether they're support groups or seminars or educational events. And you can go straight to the calendar at NAMINYC.org slash calendar. You can also visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NAMINYC as well. And you can finally always call our helpline, call or email our helpline. We are open uh, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. We're taking calls and responding to emails. And you can reach us at 212-684-3264 or helpline at NAMINYC.org. Great, great. That is that is great. That is great. So again, the, w- one of the biggest things I see as important is bringing awareness and attention to mental health. Um, and you know, especially I can only speak from my experience and in, in my community and dealing with the people who I'm familiar with. In the in our community at large, um, especially here in the Bronx, mental health is not something that is treated with much respect. Uh, meaning that, you know, people who are suffering from some ailments due to their mental health are very afraid to share their stories or their experiences. They don't know where to go to get some help. They don't know how that they will be received by their peers. And oftentimes I see it myself that a lot of people just don't seek treatment. So, you know, I found it to be very important to have representatives come on from a a number of arenas who advocate for mental health. So the first question that I have for you, just so we can get some basic information, um, is what in your opinion is a mental illness? It's a great question. And actually that, uh, as as you might remember from my presentation, um, I spent a little while talking about the difference between or, or the different ways that people understand mental illness, um, because it's not necessarily as black and white as it might seem. Um, but the basic idea is that, you know, a mental health condition is when somebody's um, emotions and thought processes 
are affected in a negative way by some combination of, you know, they're sort of, um, they might have a genetic predisposition to developing a particular mental health issue. Um, and that might be affected by the environment that they're in, whether it's stress or a traumatic event um, or a traumatic situation, and some sort of ongoing um, stressful or traumatic situation. Um, so, so those are kind of the key pieces. It's something that affects um, your thinking and your emotions, right? Because our thoughts and emotions aren't separate, even though we often talk about them like they are. Um, and it's that, that affects, um, someone's thoughts or emotions and their ability to kind of deal with their life and, and process emotions and process what's happening to them, um, in a, in a constructive and kind of ongoing way. It gets in the way of that. It makes it harder for people to, to live their lives. Mm. And, And I think that sometimes even people think that mental illnesses is not something that can affect the general public, but even we were going through this COVID time, you know, where the world changed literally before our very own eyes, it has an an effect on people mentally to where a lot of people were developing depression. They can't go outside as much. They can't interact with their loved ones. They can't see their families. That is just something small that can affect your mind and affect the way that you live. So, you know, just to have the basic awareness is something that is very important. And I think that is something that can be easily, uh, help for it can be easily sought. It's not as difficult to find help as people think it is. And just basic information I always think is very valuable. So as it relates to you, what inspired you to start your partnership with uh, working with NAMI NYC? Yeah, so um, I'm uh, uh, some some background about me. I'm a, a master's of social work, so I got my social work degree, and um, and I was really interested in in working in communities. You know, I, I really wanted um, communities really important to me, and and it was really important to me to um, to to do work that was about helping people find their place in their community and and find a community that they could be a part of, and that's really what. Uh, what we're trying to do um, with with NAMI NYC, we're really trying to create a space where people can um, feel like themselves, can can share what's going on with them, can hear about other people's experiences that they might not hear about anywhere else, um, and really try to sort of create a, a place where people feel supported and feel um, that that they get that that support um, for themselves. Okay. And uh, I would imagine the work is very rewarding. Uh, what is one of the biggest rewards from all the work that you do with NAMI? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think that um, it's really, uh, I, I there have been moments where I feel like I was really kind of in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, I, I do a shift on our helpline and, you know, people um, a lot of different people call the helpline. Sometimes they're just, you know, they just want to know more about our support groups and, you know, I'll tell them about that or, or they'll call looking for um, other resources like legal resources or housing resources. Um, and sometimes people call because they're having a really hard time and, and they're really looking for help and they don't know where to turn. Um, and I feel like I've, I've gotten a couple of those calls and, and I've really been able to, um, you know, based on the, the feedback that I've gotten from the person, 
um, make them feel like, you know, somebody cared that somebody wanted to help them. Um, and that there, there was, uh, someone who would listen to them and kind of, um, hear what they were saying and not, you know, it's, it's easy in something like the helpline to kind of go into fixing mode and, you know, you want to fix it. You want to create solutions. You want to solve the person's problem. And, you know, I do some of that, but, um, the, the moments that I think are most rewarding are when I'm really able to sort of actually put that aside and say, you know, let me, let me just hear what you're saying and, and be present, um, with, with whatever it is that you're struggling with. Okay. Okay. I could imagine that's very rewarding work. Yeah. Very, very fulfilling work. Yeah, it is. So what is NAMI's overall message? What is the uh, mission statement or the one, one guideline that will guide all NAMI employees or NAMI itself throughout this, uh, throughout the atmosphere, throughout uh, being in business? Yeah. So our mission is to, is to provide support, education, and advocacy for all individuals and families impacted by mental illness. So that's the mission statement, right? Um, but I think kind of underlying that, um, the, the message is really uh, that um, people can uh, find, you, you can find other people who have been through um, a similar mental place, uh, a, a similar um, headspace, a similar, you know, train of thought um, that, you know, a lot of what people's, everybody's experience is unique, but our reactions to our experiences, um, you know, that they, they have a lot in common a lot of the time. And, and we are trying to remind people of, of that and let them know that they're not alone. Okay. See that that's, and that is a great mission statement. That's a great message. Um, so let's let's start talking about mental illnesses on the quote unquote dictionary.com level. We just want some definitions. We want some some explanations or just some, you know, some uh, some more just some more, you know, real just answers about it, because it's a lot it arises a lot of questions in people. So what are the different types of mental illnesses? Sure. So um, I I don't know if I could give you all the whole list of all the diagnoses mm -hmm. off, off the top of my head, but some of the most common um, types of, of mental illness, um, there's anxiety disorders, which have to do with, you know, uh, fear and anxiety and, and levels of fear and anxiety that kind of are, are really impacting somebody's life negatively. There's uh, different kinds of depression, um, which sort of as a general rule, you know, you talk about depression as something that where people feel really not necessarily sad, although it can be, it can manifest as a kind of sadness, but just a really low mood, low interest in activities, low motivation. Um, that's kind of what we talk about when we talk about the different kinds of depression. Um, there's also, um, uh, so we talk about um, another category is bipolar disorder. There's a couple of different kinds of, of bipolar, but um, that's another sort of umbrella. Um, and that includes what we call mania, which um, you can also uh, find that um, in, in, uh, under other diagnoses as well, but just 
um, this idea of being kind of uh, a little bit elevated in, in mood and in energy levels, just kind of having a really excessive level of energy and excitement and, and, um, and often even positive feelings. Um, and, and then we, uh, I, I read a book at one point that talked about the schizophrenias. Um, so schizophrenia is a diagnosis. There's also schizoaffective disorder and a couple of other um, disorders that involve some kind of psychosis, kind of a, a um, disconnection from, from reality. So that's kind of another um, subcategory. And then there's a lot of other um, kind of sub diagnoses, you know, we talk about eating disorders. There's right. a couple of different eating disorders that, um, that somebody could be diagnosed with. Um, substance abuse disorder also falls under the category of kind of broader uh, mental illness. Um, uh, I think those are sort of the big, the big kind of umbrella categories. Okay. Okay. So, so, um, you know, the brain is a very uh, complex, (laughs) very, very complex system. And I know it's easy for the brain to, you know, somehow get out of whack or fall into a certain state that is quote unquote, not normal. Um, Would you say that everyone in the world could be susceptible to falling victim to a mental illness? Absolutely. Uh, It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, any, anyone could, um, depending on their background and their life experiences, could experience uh, a mental health issue. At the same time, not everybody respond, like for example, you know, with a traumatic event, not everyone who experiences a traumatic event is necessarily going to develop a mental health issue. So it, it's not a one-to-one correlation, but um, anybody could be susceptible to, to developing um, some sort of mental health condition. Okay. And what are some common misconceptions about mental health? You know, because just drawn from my own experience, if someone uh, maybe, you know, was struggling with a mental health issue, let's say anxiety, but, you know, people don't really understand it. You know, what are, what are the more common misconceptions of it? Of course, people just go to crazy. Oh, this person's crazy. But um, beyond that, what are the other common misconceptions of mental health or common misconceptions of people who are dealing with problems with their mental health? It's a great question. Um, I think the first really common misconception, um, which sometimes people don't even realize that they have this misconception, but it's a really common sort of underlying idea that that just underlies a lot of the way that we treat our people dealing with mental health issues or or talk to people who are dealing with mental health issues, um, which is that the person, the misconception is that the person doesn't understand, doesn't realize what's going on. Certainly sometimes it is true that someone just really doesn't understand that there's a disconnect between the way that they're perceiving the world and the way that people around them are are perceiving the world. That does happen. And I don't want to suggest that it doesn't. but I think much more often um, people are aware that the way that they're feeling, that there's something not quite right about the way that they're feeling, that, that the way that they're responding is kind of disproportionate or inappropriate in some way. Unfortunately, knowing that doesn't necessarily make the reaction go away. Um, so, you know, I know like with anxiety, um, this is something I, I you know, kind of talk about a lot. Um, 
often somebody who's, you know, experiencing, say, uh, an anxiety attack or, or who's experiencing really severe anxiety about something, uh, they, in many cases, they're aware that their response is disproportionate. It's not that, and, you know, so saying like, oh, well, you know, that's irrational or, you know, that, that doesn't make sense. Like you don't have anything to worry about. It's not really helpful because the person often is aware that their response is not, that they're not responding in a rational way, but that doesn't make the emotion and that just overwhelming fear and anxiety go away. Um, it, it's still there. And so, you know, even if you're saying, well, why, why am I reacting this way? This isn't reasonable. Um, you still, the the reaction is still there and and you have to deal with it. Um, you know, on, on the other sort of realm of things, like when people talk about, you know, hallucinations, um, whether they're hearing voices or seeing things that aren't there, it's like for that person, those things are real. And even if they know on some level that it, it can't be real or that other people around them aren't seeing those things or hearing those things, that's still the reality that they're living in and, and knowing that, you know, it's not real, quote unquote, doesn't mean that it just goes away. Um, so, so I think that's a that's a common misconception that 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 the that that sort of rational knowledge is enough to sort of um, get past some of these some of these issues because um, often it just it's just not um, and and that's what a lot of therapy um, actually uh, does is sort of different ways to either, um, it, to, to sort of, uh, get past that, um, that first step of saying like, okay, well, I know this isn't rational. Let me try to be more logical. It's just, it's a different way of, um, of approaching it rather than just kind of trying to talk yourself out of it. You know, therapy kind of allows you to, to take some different avenues towards, um, dealing with some of those feelings and thoughts. Um, that was a long answer. So maybe I'll, uh, I'll just leave it at that, um, in terms of misconceptions. Um, although I, I do think another important misconception, uh, that I think is, is kind of important to talk about, um, is just the, the misconception that, um, well, kind of like you said that, that, um, that this that 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 this can't affect everyone. Like right. the truth is that it that it can't. That it can. Um, Some people think, oh, what? I can never get anything like that. That's exactly. you know, I'm not I'm not crazy. I, you know, anything yeah. like that. But it's like that's not the right way to look at it. That's not even true because right. trauma can happen to anyone. You could be in a car exactly. accident. You could, and exactly. that can present a different kind of trauma. Now you're anxious every time you see a car. That doesn't mean you're crazy. That just means something traumatic happened to you and it shifted something in your brain to now you have fear or any other emotion associated with what you experienced. Like that doesn't make you crazy. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't make you, you know, not normal. You just experienced something that, you know, affected your brain now. So, you know, that's why it's like important. That's why it's so important to me because, you know, you want to, I want to present these things to people who maybe are un just un- uneducated about it or would have no knowledge of it because it's like, 
you know, I go around and I see the different ways that people are affected by different traumas, whether it's, you know, uh, a, something like a car accident. You know, now every time, you know, you're about to cross the street with a person, they're, they jump, you know, they're a little nervous mm -hmm. to cross the street because that affected them. But if you just have no information, you may handle that improperly. You may say, what's wrong with you? Or what are you doing that for? You know, and you're not really seeing that this person is just dealing with something that is beyond their control. So exactly. it's like, that is why it's like, I want to have these, these, these talks with people, yeah. with people who are actually knowledgeable of it, because it's like, the more we know, and the more we explain with each other, the better off we'll end up being the more knowledge we'll have and the better that we can handle each other. You know, we have yeah. to be aware before we can even do anything to try to solve these issues. And that's yeah. like point number one, point number yeah. one, awareness, yeah. awareness. And it sounds like you yourself are, are pretty, are pretty knowledgeable, you know, about, about this. I, there's one other thing that I wanted to kind of say about misconceptions. Um, because I think that the, the last thing is, is just that there's this conflation, right. Of like anything we don't like, or we don't understand gets conflated with, um, being, as you said, crazy, like, uh, with, with mental illness where it's like, oh, you know, that person did something that seemed irrational or didn't make sense to me. So I'm going to equate that with them having a mental illness, even though, you know, people, people do things for, you know, reasons that maybe don't make sense for a lot of reasons that don't necessarily have anything to do with, with mental illness. And then on the flip side, um, the other kind of common misconception is that if somebody does have a mental health diagnosis, that everything they do is a product of that diagnosis. Mm -hmm. That's another really common diet, com common um, misconception. Mm -hmm. Um, and people, again, sometimes people don't even realize that they're doing it. Um, but like I, I've, I've, you know, talked to somebody who um, uh, was uh, talking about, you know, early, the early years of when she was diagnosed and, you know, every time she would, you know, get upset about something or, um, you know, just have any kind of emotional reaction, you know, her, her family would be like, have you been taking your meds? Like, are you doing, and she's like, I'm, you know, what, what, whatever it was, you know, like the, you know, my, my package came late. So I'm right. pissed off. Like, does it have anything to do with having a, a mental health issue? It's just like, you know, um, I'm, I'm reacting that way. Cause I'm a person and that's how people kind of react right. to things. Right. Um, and in the same vein, you know, it's, and it happens, especially when somebody is doing something that, uh, somebody doesn't like, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, the reason you're acting this way is because, you have a mental health issue. Um, and it's like, well, you know, people who have mental health issues can also be jerks. Like they're not mutually exclusive. Right. And the bad behavior doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with the diagnosis. Like sometimes people are just, you know, somebody can be depressed and be mean. And the depression doesn't necessarily have to have, to have anything to do with the, the, you know, bad behavior. And you can address the bad behavior with somebody without invalidating, you know, their, their diagnosis. Um, mm. cause one doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the other. Right. Right. The, the mental illness doesn't take away your humanity. 
<laughs> you know, if if there's a long line at the bank, you're going to be upset about it. You don't want to stay at the bank all day and wait online. You know, if you know, if you, uh, you know, if you're expecting something to come, it doesn't come naturally. You're going to be like a little disappointed about it. Can't point to this and say, because this life thing happened to me or this normal everyday thing happened to me. You know, I, I dropped my phone on the ground. I can't be upset about it. I dropped my phone. <laughs> you know, that's normal. That's just a normal thing. Um, but the next question I have for you is, are there any telltale signs? I guess that's kind of, I guess that's kind of a question that's hard to answer because you can't see mental health disorders, but are there any, are there any signs to where maybe a family member or friend, you see them, a, a small change in their behavior, any way to identify maybe that they're going through something on a mental level or any way to just see maybe that this person maybe needs a little treatment or just needs a little, maybe, uh, maybe it needs to seek a little treatment. Is there any way to tell, you know, if you interact with a person and you see a small shift in behavior? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the key word, I mean, what, what you said is true that you can't necessarily, uh, look into somebody's brain and, and say, you know, see what's going on with them. Um, but you know, the key word that you kind of used is, is a change or a shift. And I think it really comes down to sort of knowing what somebody is like usually and how they kind of, um, what, what's normal for them. And if, you know, somebody is kind of behaving in a way that seems unpredictable or is um, just unexpected or unusual for them, um, that can be a way to start the conversation. And, you know, um, I, I would expect that, you know, most of, of y'all who are listening, you know, are probably not diagnosticians or, you know, kind of um, people whose job it is to kind of make the determination of, you know, okay, what's, what's somebody's, because um, people have training for that. Um, but for, for somebody that you're close to, um, it's a lot more just about, you know, noticing um, how someone's doing and asking them how they're doing and, you know, just starting a conversation and, um, being open to um, to what somebody is willing to share about where they're at and what they're kind of dealing with. So, so I'm glad you said that, right? Because the next question I have for you is, what advice would you give to a person who wanted to who wanted to help someone who to, they wanted to help someone get treatment, but they wanted to maybe suggest it without being offensive? You know, sometimes. Yeah. It could be an embarrassing thing. You, you know, you know that you're dealing with anxiety. So every time you see a car go by, you get afraid or something. And that may be embarrassing. But if yeah. I'm someone who knows you and I see that in you and I say, okay, well, I know that you're dealing with something. I don't know what it is. Of course, I'm not in the field. I have no knowledge. But maybe there's something that we can do together. Maybe there's somewhere I can take you. You know, how would you say is the best way if you notice a shift in behavior with someone that you know? to suggest that they should seek some treatment for what is uh, ailing them? Yeah. So the first thing that I would say is that I got much better results when I started framing it as uh, based on my own experience. So like when I started going to therapy and I start, and I would just like talk really openly about it, like, Oh yeah, I was like, you know, my therapist said this the other day and, you know, it was really helpful or, you know, um, whatever the case might be, just, kind of describing 
the way that I was using some of those resources. Because what I noticed is that um, a lot of people don't really respond well when somebody tells them to do something that that person isn't willing to do themselves, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there's this kind of distancing thing that can happen that's like, well, you need to go do that, but like, I'm fine. I don't need that. Um, whereas if you say like, you know, oh yeah, like I've, you know, um, these meds have, have really been helping me out or, you know, um, I've, you know, I'm really glad that I finally like found a, a good therapist to talk to. Um, or, you know, man, I don't know. I've, I've been having a hard time with my therapist lately. I'm thinking I'm, you know, I might need to, to find somebody else. Um, whatever, whatever the case may be, then it's, then it's not a conversation where you're telling the other person what to do. It's a conversation about things that anybody might find helpful. And I do truly believe that everyone could benefit from, you know, uh, from a little bit of therapy. Um, I think it's a really great way to just understand more about yourself and, um, just understand more about, you know, how you function in, in relationships and your own goals and, you know, life, um, uh, life aspirations. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one thing that I would say. Um, and yeah, I just think overall really, um, not taking things personally, um, and not is I think a really important part of this. So, you know, asking the other person how they're doing, listening to the answer, listening to whatever they want to share with you, but not making it about, you know, your own need to fix the person, your own need to be right about what the person is experiencing, because we're all experts on our own experiences and very few people respond well to somebody else telling them what they're experiencing. Um, So, you know, just really like taking your own ego out of the, at least that's what's been helpful for me is just really being able to kind of take my own ego out of it and say, look, you know, I care about you. I want what's best for you. Um, I think that you, um, I think that it can be better than this for you. I don't think that, um, I think that there is a way for things to be better than they are right now for you, because right now it seems like things are pretty not great, but you're the expert on what you need and on how to get there. Um, and on, you know, what you're willing to do and, um, ultimately, you know, you're, the other person's life is their responsibility. Um, and yeah. And I think that can be hard to sort of hold that space of kind of being, um, asking to be part of that person's life and to, you know, share that kind of closeness with somebody while also not taking it on as, as your own. Um, but I think that's really important. Okay. So, so that's great advice. I think that is great advice. And I, and I, that what you said about not taking it personally, um, I think that is more, that is something that can be easily applied because, you know, even if maybe let's say you and I, we have the same, I can see in you the same things that happened to me. Let's say we're both dealing with depression. I see the change in your mood. I see 
you know, the, you know, the not willingness to want to participate in things or the distant. And I say, I, I went through the same thing as you, but I suggest it to you and you rebuff it. I can't say, oh, to see, this is what's wrong with you. You don't want to listen to anyone. That's not going to help. I can, uh -huh. all I can do is suggest and I can't take, I can't take it like it's a personal shot at me that you don't want to listen to me, even if I see that you've gone through something that maybe I've gone through as well. Another thing I wanted to ask is, I know that, you know, uh, we're trying to be less offensive, but sometimes ignorance causes someone to be offensive. If you have no knowledge of something, you could say something just off the cuff and you don't know how it'll land. Are there certain words or phrases that we all should avoid when we speak about this topic of mental health so that we don't offend people mm. in the community? So I think that, um, I mean, I, I think that using diagnoses, if you don't know that somebody like has a particular diagnosis, that's something that I try to just steer clear from. Like, I just don't talk about like OCD or schizophrenia or bipolar or, you know, depression, like, or being depressed or, you know, being, I just like try to avoid all of that. Um, in unless maybe in like very specific cases where I know that somebody has a particular diagnosis um, and, and where, you know, it's, it's really applicable to them because, you know, those are specific words that mean specific things and it doesn't really help anybody to sort of use them casually. Um, so I just sort of try to avoid like using those terms um, except when I'm like literally talking about the actual diagnosis. Um, you know, I, I also think that, I think that language is less important than the underlying ideas. So like, you know, I'll still say, you know, and some people might disagree with this and like, that's their prerogative, but like, I'll still say like, oh, that's so crazy or whatever. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not super picky about, um, using about like scrubbing that language out of my vocabulary, because I think it's actually much more important to like think instead of just like thinking about specific vocabulary to think about like, what are the ideas underlying what I'm saying? Am mm -hmm. I talking about mental illness in a way that reduces people with these diagnoses to just being their diagnoses and isn't acknowledging their full humanity? Because, you know, I could, I could, um, yeah, I, I think that's sort of more, more important to kind of think about, you know, like the example that I gave before of like, you know, am I, um, if I, if I know that somebody hears voices, for example, am I ascribing everything that they do to being like, oh, maybe it's because a voice told them so like, that's not, that's much more of a problem than me, like, you know, saying like, oh, wow, that's so crazy um, about something, you know, kind of unrelated. So that's, that's what I would say um, about that. Okay. All right. So, you know, because no one wants to be offensive and a lot of people do things, you know, genuinely to try and help. But, you know, when you just don't have the information, you don't want to come off across any kind of way and, Maybe yeah. even lose the person's trust. You know, you, you said something that was, you know, off the top of your head. You had no intention to be harmful or hurtful. 
and you end up hurting the person. So, you know, it's all about awareness. You know, that's just the biggest thing for me, at least just awareness. Yeah. And then, you know, the more aware you are, the better you handle these situations. Um, and I think a lot of, so, sorry, I just want to say one more thing about that, which is just that um, I think the, the, the last thing on that topic is in terms of, of hurting people is like, I think it's really important to believe people about what they need and what they, what's hurtful to them. Um, and that's going to be different for each person. You know, one, somebody might say like, look, I just, I really need you to not, you know, um, use a particular word or not, you know, talk about things in a particular way because it's, it's hurtful to me. Um, and that's really, you know, that relationship is going to be more important than like a general rule about like what you should or, or shouldn't do. And honestly, like, I think when in doubt, um, the best thing to do is ask, you know, if there's a specific, is there, there's a specific person, um, you know, asking, you know, how, how they talk about their own experiences, what language they use for themselves, um, and kind of listening to that and, and kind of respecting that, I think is the most important thing. Okay. So uh, I don't, I don't know if this is too personal, but, uh, have you had any experiences with mental health and then how did you address them? I personally, we all have had periods of depression where your mood changes, something happens to you, maybe a loved one passes or you miss out on a great opportunity or, you know, maybe a girlfriend or a boyfriend broke up with you. You know, that's common. That's just a common thing, but people don't look at it that way. They wouldn't say I'm depressed for this moment in time. They would say, oh, I'm just sad because we broke up or I'm sad because, you know, my, my cat, you know, passed away or something like that. So, you know, how, you know, when I personally had maybe some issues with depression, um, it wasn't a long standing thing. It was just a short period of time based on the situation that happened in my life. But then I just saw it as an opportunity to maybe understand why I'm experiencing these things. So I've personally sought out therapy. I've personally, you know, not, I have not been afraid of that. I felt like if I'm going through these things, this best way to handle it is to handle it in a positive way. So I can then be better off. Right. So in your personal experience, um, have you dealt with some of these issues and how did you decide to address them? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good, that's a, that's a fair question. Um, so I, um, most of my experiences with, with mental health issues have been pretty distinctly on the anxiety side of things. Um, I've, I've never gotten an official diagnosis, but, you know, um, definitely, definitely have a, a pretty clinical level of anxiety about in certain situations. Um, and that was something that changed over time. Um, and something I've become sort of more aware of over time. Um, but, um, when I first started seeking out therapy, it actually, it wasn't, I, I was kind of, um, I was actually pretty resistant to sort of like labeling myself as having a particular diagnosis. Um, and I think that was okay. I think I still got a lot out of therapy, um, when I was going sort of, and, and I, I started going just because I just had this sort of sense of like, I'm, I, I was like struggling with a lot of stuff kind of within my family. Um, and, and I was like, I think it would help to just like talk to somebody who's not involved about all of this and just help me, you know, cause I feel like there's some stuff here that I don't really 
know how to how to deal with. And I think it might help to to talk to somebody about this. Um, and so that was kind of how I went into it. And then um yeah, and and over time, um what I need from therapy has sort of changed and what I've been looking for has changed. Um, but I definitely, you know, have, have continued to find it really helpful. Now, um, let's say a person decides to go to therapy, um, but maybe they feel like the therapist isn't necessarily hitting all the things that they need. Yeah. Is there a way to find like maybe, so you go to the therapist and you're not receiving the care that you feel like you need. How does then a person seek out other forms of therapy? You know, because a therapist is a therapist. You go to the office, you sit and you chat. But when you leave the sessions and you feel like maybe there's no real change or you're not feeling better, how would then a person seek other forms of treatment? Um, so I think research is, is part of it. Um, you can definitely find out um, about a ton about various different kinds of therapies that exist um, just by researching it. There's, um, uh, you know, just even if you sort of like Google, you know, different types of therapy, you'll, you'll start to see there's a lot of different kinds that focus on different things and that are, um, that, that have different, that just focus on different things. And um, the, uh, so, so I think that's an important step is to sort of, to know what you're looking for and know what kind of therapy you want to do. Um, and, you know, you definitely, like if you're seeing a therapist and you want to see somebody new, um, you can look around for other people um, just while you're in, while you're, you continue to see that person that you've been seeing. Um, you can also talk with the, um, with the person that you're seeing about what you're dissatisfied by and what you're kind of hoping for. Um, you know, it, it's really important to, I know, um, I have experienced, and I think a lot of, and I've heard a lot of people kind of talk about the desire to like be a good, um, client to like be a good therapy client and kind of get that approval from the therapist of like, Oh, I'm doing a good job. And there's this idea that like questioning the therapist is like not okay because as somebody in authority and you can't question people in authority, but, um, the best, uh, I think, uh, relationships, um, have, have that element of, you know, where, where you as the client can say, um, Hey, you know, I, I, this is what I want to see happen. This is my goal. And I don't feel like we're making progress on that. Can we sort of change what we're doing? Or, you know, I'd really like it if you did X, um, or I would really like it if you didn't do Y. Um, so that's part of it too. And, and, um, thinking about whether you feel comfortable having that conversation, trying to have that conversation. And if it doesn't, if it's not having the result that you want, you know, looking around and, and finding somebody else that, you know, you feel more comfortable with, that you feel a rapport with, that you feel like you can bring up these kinds of issues with. Cause ultimately like therapies for, for you, um, yeah. it's, it's, the goal is to, you know, help 
um, for, for each person to sort of help them live a life that is closer to the life that they want to live. Um, and if it's not doing that, then, um, yeah. Uh, that's see, that's great. That's great. Cause naturally you would think, well, I'm here. This person is certified. This person is licensed. <laughs> I can't say that they're not giving me what's, what's needed. I don't even know what's needed. That's why I'm here. So, you know, most people would probably shy away from saying, Hey, you know, I know that we're, we have these sessions, but when I leave here, I don't feel a level of, of, you know, uh, healing. I don't feel it. So, you know, how do I then address that? You know, it's, yeah. it was a lot to get me here in the first place. Now, you know, I'm sitting here and this person is not giving me what I need. And how do you even handle that? There are so right. many little small things, layers in it, you know, just getting to the therapist and then, okay, now I'm here, but I don't even feel like it's helping me. You know, right. that's even an issue. So I, I appreciate that. Mm. And um, so Clara, what keeps you motivated in the space? Obviously you're mm. a person who likes to help others. So we know that, but um, you know, when I think about motivation, why do I keep doing this one thing? Right. I, I, for me, at least with the podcast, it's like, I just get this, the positive reinforcement from it. I do it. I mm -hmm. put it out on the internet. I receive a response overwhelmingly positive. I appreciate the show. I had fun listening to it. It was great. You did a great job. I love you know, things like that. I get that motivation each time I come in to do it. And I don't think I felt that way in any other phase of my life doing, you know, jobs here and there. This is the most time, this is the only time where I felt the most positive reinforcement from what I'm doing. Mm. So for you and NAMI and involved with them, what keeps you motivated in this space? So I think what keeps me motivated, um, I mean, I definitely, you know, I think that positive reinforcement is, is important. And I've gotten that, you know, from, from people that I've talked to and from volunteers that I work with and, um, just people that I've worked with overall, I've, I've gotten, you know, a lot of positive feedback, which definitely helps to keep me motivated. And I also think um, kind of what I said before, like that sense of, you know, being in the right place at the right time and being able to be there for somebody who, um, who, who really needed my perspective, um, I think is, is really, is, is really motivating. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, would you say, do you have any role models in this space? Would you have any people who set the trail or pioneered something and that you picked up a lot of things from, you know, in the talking space, in the space where people talk, there's a lot of people for me, you know, there's my favorite guys to watch on television who do sports analysts or my favorite news anchor or a f my favorite journalist who writes a column or something like that, or an actor, an actress. So in this space, do you have any role models or any people who you saw got a lot of uh, information from or a lot of motivation from dealing with mental health? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I definitely um, had some people uh, when I was in grad school who, you know, professors of mine or, you know, people who, who did a lot of practice, um, who, who I thought of as role models. Um, I was out in St. Louis, so um, I, I had a had a good time out there for for a couple of years. And those were generally people who, um, you know, they would sort of like talk about a particular scenario, and I would be like, oh my, you know, somebody, you know, coming to them with something 
um, you know, pretty heavy. And I, and I'd be sitting there thinking like, oh my God, I would have no idea what to say or what to do. And they would say, well, you know, and then this is what, um, this is how I might respond. And I'd be like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Um, so, you know, I think, um, my, my role models, I think tend to be people who have sort of been able to like apply these rules of like, you know, being non-judgmental and centering their, their own lived experience and kind of, um, building that rapport and that relationship, um, in, in various ways. Um, I think those are, those are the people that I tend to, to look up to. Okay. All right. And, um, for the, for the person out there who's listening and who wants to seek some treatment, um, who knows that they're dealing with something that is not the norm, what would you suggest to that person who wanted to seek treatment and or help for their mental health issues? So the first thing that I would, um, that I would say is find other people that are, are dealing with something similar, um, and talk to other people, uh, who, who have, who have been through it, um, who also, you know, make you feel good, who make you feel heard, who don't, who don't talk about it in ways that are dismissive or minimizing. Um, because it's really hard to go through this stuff alone. Um, and it's really hard even to go through it, you know, even if you're really lucky and you find a really good therapist and you find a really good psychiatrist right off the bat, um, it, that, that professional help is really important. It's really crucial. It's a big part of the, of the puzzle. Um, because, you know, those, those folks have training that the rest of us don't necessarily, but, you know, finding a community and finding a support network and finding people who are on your team and who, you know, um, believe what you're going through and who can push you to be a better version of yourself. Um, I think that's really, really crucial. Um, and I, I know that can, I'm sure that sounds, can sound really overwhelming. Um, but I think part of it starts with, you know, just, just reaching out and, you know, trying to, to make connections and not putting too much pressure um, on any one relationship, um, but just, you know, believing that, um, that, that there are people out there who, who will get it and um, doing your best to sort of make those connections and, and believe that you have something to bring those relationships as well. Okay. So there, there's a, there, and, and what I wanted to do with it, and whenever I have someone in the field on, I always just want to put it out the same way how I say on my podcast, you know, when I conclude, I always push this point out. If you want to do something like this, it's very possible. You are able to do this. Like, this is not, you know, I'm not in a multi-million dollar studio. This is not a, you know, a, a, a TV production. This is not a Hollywood set. This is something that if you want to do, you can do, you know, I'm, and I'm just a guy who lives in the Bronx, New York with a microphone. I'm nothing really special about me. So this is something that's possible. So is there any final 
bow that we can tie over this subject of mental health that you want to leave with the audience? I, I think the last thing that, that I just think is really important is that like, there's so much shame. There's so much shame associated with um, needing help, with not having everything together, with not knowing how to do certain things. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think often that shame is, is there's something self-protective about it. It's like, okay, if I just don't tell anybody, then um, no one will know. And I won't have to, you know, deal with the vulnerability of, you know, having people know about this, these things about me. Um, and, and I think that, you know, it's possible to sort of acknowledge that self-protective impulse to say, okay, like, you know, I, yeah, I get it. Like you're trying to, you know, to yourself kind of very gently being like, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to help me out here. Um, but, but, you know, we, we need to, um, we need to ask for help. Um, and the shame is not going to help with that. Um, the shame is, is, is getting in, in our way and, um, being able to sort of set that aside and say, okay, you know, um, who, who do I feel safe with? Who can I, uh, ask for help with, uh, help ask for help from, um, and, and how can I do that? Even if it feels scary and even if it feels really hard. Mm -hmm. That's great. That is great information. Um, lastly, uh, in the community, what would you say is a, is a great idea for, let's say, a person who wanted to start their own journey into being a mental health advocate or a, you know, a proponent for awareness of mental health. What is a great suggestion? If someone says, okay, I want to help the cause. How do I help the cause? You know, I don't have a podcast. I don't have a TV show. I don't have a radio show. How can I help the cause as just a regular average Joe? Um, how can I contribute to this? Uh, what would you say are some great suggestions for that, for people who want to get involved? So I think, um, uh, learning more uh, is is always helpful. Um, just reading, you know, with with the internet, there's just like there's so much writing out there um, by people about you know their own mental health journeys, about you know things that they've struggled with. Um, there's a ton of memoirs and books out there. Um, there's you know definitely podcasts as well. There's you know depictions on TV shows. Um, and there's a lot of ways to, to sort of learn about the kind of wide spectrum of, of human experiences when it comes to mental illness. And I think, you know, learning about that is really helpful. Um, yeah, that I think, I think that's often sort of the first step. Um, and um, yeah, just kind of being in community with people. So, you know, um, talking with people, uh, going to a support group, um, and, and, you know, listening to what folks have to say and sharing your own struggles. Um, I think all of those things are, are how we sort of build community and, and kind of show up for each other. That's great. That's great. So Clara, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for giving us this education on the issues that we may not have all known a lot about, we just know on the surface level, gave us a little more insight into the cause. And I think it's so important. I think it's so important. The, remember, the mind controls the body. 
That's just how I keep. I keep it in a the, as simple as possible. The mind controls the body. So if the mind is not operating on the optimal level, of course, then your body will not. So it is no shame in acknowledging that, okay, my mind is, I've gone through something. I've, I'm affected in a different way. And I think that having people like yourself on who work with these causes like NAMI or in, in the field in general is something that is very, very, very impactful. And that's why I want to have you guys come on and talk about it because awareness, I think, is just the key, the key. If you're aware of something, then you're just more equipped to handle it. That's just how I think about it. So I want to say thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing the insight that you have. Thank you for all the work that you're doing with the cause. Thank you for being so open with your own experiences. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I'm so glad I was able to see you speak and I got the idea to have you come on. So what we're going to do. I'm really glad too. Yes. Yes. What we're going to do, I want you to reiterate your name and all the places that NAMI can be reached. Absolutely. So my name is Clara. I am the outreach coordinator at NAMI NYC, the National Alliance on Mental Illness of New York City. And you can find out more about us at our website, NAMINYC.org, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NAMI NYC, or by calling our helpline Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., at 212-684-3264 or emailing us at helpline at namiNYC.org. Great, great, great. And it is tradition around here on the Bronx Bars podcast when we have a guest that we allow our guests to choose a song that we end our podcast with. So, Miss Clara, the honor is yours. What song awesome. would you what song would you like to play for the good people out there? I am going to go with uh, If I Go by Ella Air. Great, great, great. And thank you so much once again for all the work you're doing and for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, think it's really cool what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Round of applause for Miss Clara Keeley. Round of applause. And lastly, what I'm going to end the pod with today is a small audio clip uh, from Damian Lillard. Uh, for people who are not aware about sports, Damian Lillard is a, a basketball player for the Portland Trailblazers. Um, and uh, I really just want to end with an excerpt from an interview that he had about motivation and the drive and the determination and why he become why he is so successful at his craft. And it's all about the work that he puts in and I draw inspiration from a lot of people. I draw inspiration from activists. I draw inspiration from entertainers. I draw inspiration from actors, actresses, writers, musicians, you know, and athletes as well, because everyone's story can affect you in one way or the other. And um, I want to play this clip because he's just speaking from his heart about why he is so determined, why he's so driven to be great. And it's something that I just pull jewels from. I just pull that inspiration, that motivation from. So... Um, for today or to end today's show, I just want to play you guys just a small excerpt of what he's saying. And hopefully you guys could take a little bit of positive, uh, in, uh, positive message from it um, just to see this guy who has everything in the world and he's still so determined to be great. And it's something that is just very impactful for me. And I'm going to play it for you real quick and then we'll conclude. This is Damian Lillard. And, um, 
I look at everything you do. I mean, obviously commercials, Hulu has last sports, you know, Adidas, <laughs> you rap, you three kids, everything you yeah. do, but you still make sure that you bring your A-game every night. Can you talk to the kids out there that want to do these things, want to have the, the fame and the publicity, but the work that you put in um, to be great? I mean, none of, those, none of those things that you just named would be possible without the work. And, um, you know, I wasn't a, a highly touted middle school player, high school player, or college player. You know, I had to do my work behind the scenes, you know, like you did. I had to earn my way. Um, and I, I didn't know that I was going to ever get the credit for it or ever get the results for it. So I know what it's like to be unknown and to, you know, not have the, the lights on you and to um, want to be seen and want a scholarship to a big school and things like that. I was behind the scenes doing the work. So I don't forget those steps that it took for me to get here. So, you know, even though I, I got a family and I got all these commercials and, you know, these endorsements, I don't forget the thing that makes all of those things possible, which is the work, the discipline, um, the humility, um, the compassion, you know, all of those things that I know I, I bring as a person, I know that's a part of why I've been able to get a lot of the things that I've gotten. So um, if, I get, if I get away from doing what got me here, I'm doing my family and, and everybody else around me a disservice. So I make sure that I stay true to that first. Um, and the more that I do that, you know, things just keep coming. And um, I've gotten results from that my whole life. So it's, why would I become 30 and see the results that I got and, and go away from it? You know, so I've gotten stronger in those things. I've gotten more discipline. I work harder. I work smarter. Um, you know, I love on my people harder. I do all those things at a higher level, and I just it just keeps improving everything else for me. Man, I love that type of shit, man. That's that's just great. So, shout out to Dame for that message. I appreciate it, and um, hopefully, you guys got a little something from that. And that, guys, will wrap it up. Episode number fifty-four of the Bronx Bias Podcast is in the books. I'm your host. Once again, my name is Denzel. Have a great week out there. Have a great weekend. Enjoy this good weather. The seasons are changing. Um, if you want information on not or more information, I should say on NAMI NYC, um, I will have the links to their social medias and website in the episode description. Once again, thank you to Miss Clara Keeley for coming on the show and sharing the message of NAMI and all of the work that she's done and her own experiences. I really appreciate it. And we are going to fade you out with a great 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 song which is clara keely's choice it is called if i go by ella air off her self-titled ep and this has been the bronx bias podcast episode number 54 have a great week and a great weekend out there i will speak to you guys next week and we are out oh.